1: A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com.
2: The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. <laughs> Open the pot bay doors,
0: I'm sorry, Dan. I'm afraid I can't do that.
2: you're the last
0: Go ahead. Make my day. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Black Hole Cinema. In fact, it's number 21 this week. Miss Emma Platt, hello, and the man himself, Tony Black. Howdy. I almost forgot to introduce myself, it's Darren Taylor, I'm back again unfortunately for you this week. We will be reviewing Chappie, Still Alice, Wreck 4, Apocalypse, uh, Kill the Messenger, and Tony will mercilessly rip apart unfinished business right at the end, so keep listening for that one. (laughs) Owen, you're going to kick us off and talk about Chappie the deployment of the planet's first robotic police units. Became the focus of the world in 2016. Drop your weapons, you are under your arrest. Vincent Moore is a former soldier. The problem with artificial intelligence is its
1: way too unpredictable.
2: The scout's creator, Dion Wilson, sees a rich future. What interests me is a machine that can think and feel.
3: Randomly cough and splutter through this but as you can probably tell from my voice I've got a bit of a cold at the moment so I will try and get through it without choking to death but anyway, yeah, So Chappie is the latest film from uh, South African filmmaker and director Neil Blomkamp uh, It's also written by Neil Blomkamp with um, a guy called Terry Tatchell whom he worked with on District 9 a film for which they were both nominated for an Oscar for Best Adapted Screenplay as well, although apparently they didn't work together on Elysium which was uh, Blomkram's last film, which he wrote on his own, actually. So it was kind of nice to know that they were working together on another project uh, in, in Chappie because, I don't
0: know about you guys, but I bloody loved District 9. I was mm. really surprised, well, I absolutely loved it. I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, yeah. And Elysium was um, a letdown probably, yeah. I think, in comparison. I kind of liked it at the time, and then as
3: it went on, I, you know, there's times not been much kind to it, I gone off that yeah. a little bit, but I did like it at the time when I came out of cinema, at least. So, um, but yeah, so, um, also returning from District 9, as well as uh, Elysium, actually, is Sholto Copley, who voices the character Chappie, a conscious and uh, sort of naive, childish, artificial intelligence who's inserted into the body of a defective police service robot in Johannesburg in the not-too-distant future. Uh, it also features uh, Dev Patel, Probably familiar to a lot of people from stuff like Slumdog Millionaire, and at the moment the best exotic Marigold Hotel films, um, which he's currently starring in, in, in the
2: cinema. He's in everything uh, right now, you can't, you can't uh, get rid of him.
3: Yeah, yeah, but I kind of like it. I, I do like Hotel. You know, Last Airbender aside, that was an absolutely <laughs> disgraceful
2: film. Well, what was funny was, I, I read an interview in Shortlist with him the other day, and even he said that that was awful. I was in this awful film called The Last Airbender. I love it when people are just blunt. Yes.
3: <laughs> I couldn't get over it in that film how they kept calling each other benders. That was just <laughs> I was really immature. Laughing they were. My head off every they night were. Night. I think that's all you could do though, isn't
0: it? You yeah. Know, yeah. Through that film. There's
2: no way anyone can take that film seriously. No. It's just diabolical.
3: But yes, anyway, so in this, Dev Patel is playing a scientist who's responsible for inventing this uh, robotic police force. Um, and for creating Chappie. Both of whom, by the way, both Copley and Patel, are really quite excellent in this film. Uh, like I said, I enjoy watching Patel in pretty much anything except <laughs> The Last Airbender, but also Charlton Copley. I just think he's a fantastic actor. Uh, one of my favourites working at the moment. So, And it's always a bit odd to try and comment on people's voice acting work as saying it's a good performance, but it, genuinely, Charlton Copley, very good, again. He's just... It's, it's mainly to do with things like his comic timing, because one of the surprises about Chappie for me was it's genuinely hilarious at times. Really proper, laugh out loud, funny. And mainly that's down to the timing of, of Copley's um, quips and lines. And, and yeah, so he's done really well. And he also gets some of the more emotional beats spot on as well.
2: It's funny with Copley, though, because in, he was really good in District 9. And he again, he got that kind of thing. But then in Elysium, I thought he was awful. I mean, oh, I've, no way. <laughs> oh yeah, I've heard a lot of people think he was brilliant in that because he plays this massively over the top, really sort of really, really, really deep South <laughs> freaking like this. what gets me is there's one, there's one scene where he walks into this, um, this room, and there's this woman there, and he he says, uh, "Nice house you've got," but because he's got such a deep South African accent, he goes, "Nice house you've got."
1: Right. <laughs> we were all saying that um, when he was swearing he sounded like a scouser fuck <laughs> yeah he <laughs> and I was like we were just like I oh did not know he was scouse
0: <laughs> uh,
3: but no I do love Chateau Copley I do like him in Elysium he was definitely the best thing about it for me as the
0: old school villain mm. um, but also, actually, like I say in this, he was
3: very good as well. And the design and the the sort of CGI that's gone into the the, um, the creation of Chappie, the robot, is also just spectacular. I think one of the things I've realised from this film is I think we're now at the point where the CGI is it's good enough, it's convincingly good enough to look real. You know, there's always the element of inserting the CGI things that it looks a bit cartoonish and it doesn't seem quite right, even in stuff like um, this film's been compared to the Robocop remake from last year and, you know, even in that, the, the CGI did look a bit dodgy at times And in this though, it's just I think it, I think it's good enough to be convincing, you, you can forget that it's a CGI robot and just just go with it so the, the design's really good the voice acting of Chappie is really good you know, this banged up tattered scrap heap look and design to him is is fantastic as well so so that stuff like very good and obviously the performances from those two are very good anyway two people whose performances haven't been reviewed particularly favor- favorably elsewhere are ninja and yolandi who are better known as two parts of the south african rap group uh, now i'm probably going to pronounce this wrong Diane Antwoord.
2: I mean, yeah, something it's like it's that. A, okay. Yeah. Mm.
3: Then uh, they play two gangsters in this along with Jose Pablo Cantillo and they steal Chappie and they try to write ra- because Chappie's this like childlike character. You know, he's, he, he, he's when he comes into the world, it's from brand new to nothing. So yeah, they try and raise him so that they can commit a heist so they can get a load of money to pay off a local drug kingpin called Hippo who's played by Brandon Oreth, who is constantly subtitled, despite speaking English, <laughs> which annoyed me at first. It really did. and But actually, it was very helpful because there were times when I just had absolutely no clue whatsoever what he was saying because he's got a very thick Afrikaans accent. So I was annoyed at first. Yeah, I was annoyed at first, but actually, yeah, you do need them. So that's fine. But anyway, I personally didn't have an issue with Ninja or Yolandi's performances. I mean, they're not exactly Betty Davis or Marlon Brando, you know. It's not like they're trying to be, either. It's clear they aren't traditional actors. And there's, you know, there is a sort of melodrama about the way they play their um, respective characters, particularly in the case of Yoland- Yolandi, who uh, acts as Chappie's mummy, calls it calls her mummy, and, you know, she sort of mothers him and treats him as the child of the, their little family but the world that Blomkamp's portraying is one that's really horrible and cynical and tough and you know literally a dog-eat-dog world at one point is sort of the metaphor and as the gangsters who live on the streets and commit petty crimes for a living and they act as our insight into this criminal underworld you know one that does require such drastic police measures as these these police robots these droids that are used I think they're
2: pretty much perfect for what they're, what they're there for. Well, you know, you know, he built the film around Diantward because yeah. he, had, he he basically was thinking of ideas for his, for his next film and he couldn't, he couldn't really grasp it and then suddenly, he'd been a big fan of theirs for years and he bolted out of bed in the middle of the night and he basically scribbled the idea of Diantward raising a robot and, and he shouted he to his wife, he goes this is my next film! <laughs> uh, and then he, that was it, that was the whole thing he, he kind of built it around that idea so, it's interesting how that's, that's an important part, because that was, his, that was the kernel that started the whole thing.
3: Yeah, it's a shame then that people are complaining about the performances of them, because, um, to be honest, like I said, they're not actors. They don't look like actors, they don't seem or act like actors. But, you know, they're, they're the window to this world. And it's interesting that the film is built around them, because I suppose with the film's title being chappy and it being a bear you know, a, an artificial intelligent mechanoid thing that you'd expect it to be villain. But it is mainly about Ninja and Yolandi, I think, and um, all the better for it, really. So, yeah, as well as these characters, there are a couple of other big-name actors attached to the film, Guys, are Sikorney Weaver, as Patel's boss, but, it, you know, in truth, she could have been played by anybody, and I don't think there's, there's much to a performance there. Though it, I, I suppose it is worth mentioning has a character with the most power in the film uh, who never holds a gun, either, is actually played by a woman, which is kind of a pretty salient point to sort of put out there in, in this this world that's, that's very macho and, and ruled by these, you know, gun-toted, muscly, gangster blokes. So, yeah, so that was quite an interesting point, I thought. And also um, Hugh Jackman is in the film, playing Patel's colleague and a staunch um, detester of all things AI if yeah. the film does have any issues if there's anything that I particularly didn't like about the film or especially didn't like it's the fact that Hugh Jackman's character is just completely underdeveloped there's there's nothing to him at all there's aspects to his because he's an Aussie ex-soldier it's, it's good that he actually gets to use his real accent for a change but the um, there, there's things that are hinted at like his religious side and why he would hate artificial intelligence based around his, his religious beliefs and it's really weak and just there's no motivation there that's ever explored it's just you're meant to accept that he doesn't like AI and now he's going after the guy all he wants to do really is put his Robocop esque you know character his, his robot to use and that's it you just have to deal with it I would have liked more development of his, of his, his side of the story him a good performance, it's just his character's really uh,
0: useless, that. you know. Is it because perhaps like Copley and you know, you've already said it, Ninja and you know, they, are they actually uh, acting per se, you know, or are they playing kind of heightened versions of themselves? And that's where he struggles with people like Matt Damon and Hugh Jackman, where they are actually yeah. having to play a role that because he's not writing the characters well enough, there's not a lot for them to go on you know dev patel from what i've seen of the film again kind of plays the dev patel kind of character there's nothing really unique about you know his performance and that's again why he kind of comes through this you know looking quite rosy because he's no different to the character he really plays in Marigold hotel or well i
3: I don't know if that's a little bit unfair because i I really did like dev patel in this
1: Hmm.
0: yeah
3: i don't know i mean it's, it's possible it's an interesting point um yeah, but I mean, Shalto Copley has gone on to prove himself to be quite a good actor. You know, even in the little indie films he's been in, of, of yeah. you know, Europa Report and all those sort of things, I think he's been quite good in those. So maybe maybe it's just Shalto Copley's just the best actor in it. He? <laughs>
0: maybe, maybe he's maybe he's the undiscovered Oscar-winning you know that's never been. <laughs>
3: yeah, precisely. Yeah, but you know, the film as as a whole is a little bit inconsistent. You know. Uh, When it's bad, it's just very flimsy. It feels a bit cheap in trying to draw out these emotions in the viewer. A little bit easy. And, you know, like I said earlier, it has been compared a lot to last year's Robocop remake, and that was also similar in terms of dealing with this artificial intelligence and trying to make parts of it really soppy and just not working. And I think the problem here as well, it tries a similar sort of thing with Chappie. It tries to be a bit too... Well, yeah, melodramatic, you know, I've already said it, it's it's quite melodramatic. Not that there's anything particularly wrong with melodrama, I watch loads of Korean films and that's full of them and I love them and it's brilliant, but yeah, it's not really used particularly well here. However, when Chappie is good, it's just fucking brilliant. And I mean, like, as good as, if not better than the best bits of District 9, I thought. And I think it gets a little bit, um, you know, crashy-bangy in its final act. It's full of explosions <laughs> and gunfights for the sake of gunfights. Um, because, you know, they've been teased, and so they have to deliver on these massive shootouts and stuff. But I think it's done really well. I think the action scenes are handled well. I know they're not going to be everyone's cup of tea, but if you do like action scenes, then, you know, they're faultless, I think. But also, the, the story is continued throughout the film, and it's it's brought to a head really... Uh, well and solidly uh, and I actually think, you know, it, it's, it was incredibly entertaining and the more I've thought about it since leaving the cinema on Saturday afternoon the better it's become for me, it's like the opposite of Elysium and you know, it's definitely made me just a teensy bit more excited as well to see what Bonkamp's going to do with Alien 5 because um, I'm now expecting something that's more along the lines of Aliens <laughs> rather than Alien But um, I suppose uh, we'll see on that one
2: It's got me very excited that that news i think he's um you know he's he's not proven himself to be a great filmmaker yet but he's got a massive amount of promise yeah. and if he's if he if he gets the right script for that if he if he aims that right then it could wash away the memories of the last few alien films and and give sigourney weaver the chance to properly wrap that character up that iconic character you know before well i mean you know she's she is she is getting on now, so she's got maybe one more shot at this. So I'm I'm, you know, I'm excited for that. And he's got so much passion for it, and, and what we've seen of it so far looks amazing. Some of his concept art. So I'm, you know, in a way, I I, I kind of hope that all these, you know, Chappie, Elysium, and and District Nine have been his run up to Alien Five, really. <laughs> I um,
3: think Alien, the Alien franchise, could be either the making or the breaking of it. Yeah, it's, it's basically I free run at making these three films the, mm. his projects whereas mm. alien the fifth in the franchise i mean it's like mm. he's going to be very restricted and it'll mm. be interesting to see what he does with that you know it almost ruined fincher's career with alien 3 he the that they went about
2: that and, but he, yeah. he but then yeah but look at him now so there, yeah. exactly wonderful well that was released this weekend so
0: we'll be in cinemas for at least a couple of weeks i am consciousness I'm alive I am Chippy Owen will be leaving us now before he sounds increasingly like Barry White Uh, so thanks for joining us Owen that's no problem thanks for having me
2: cheers Owen
0: Okay, now we'll be moving on to Still Alice
2: to the most beautiful and the most intelligent woman I've known in my entire life
0: Thank you. You? Thank you. We love you. Welcome, Dr. Alice Howland. Thank
1: you. Thank you. I hope to convince you that by observing these baby steps into the. into. Uh...
2: Alice, where the hell were you? Went for a run. Well, I hope you enjoyed that because you completely blew our dinner plans. Yes, still Alice. She's obviously well known now for being the, the film that bagged Julianne Moore the Oscar um, for Best Actress. Which, obviously, anyone outside of the state didn't well. Certainly in England, anyway. We, we, she won that Oscar and we didn't know if it was you know justified because it was, it, we hadn't seen the film yet. Know, that's the big question going around people's minds. Is it, it's one of those films that's already been overshadowed by the performance, really, um, of Julianne Moore and that's what people are really focusing on. The good news is that her performance is brilliant and it is it's is justified. She deserves that award, no question about it. The film itself I thought was was very good, not a classic film to go along with a, a potentially a classic performance, an excellent performance. It's it doesn't quite match up to that, but it's it's a, it's a very strong and in many ways and quite, you know, it, it, Sad account of the effects of Alzheimer's, which in this case is characterised in a different way from uh, you normally see. I mean, when people think of Alzheimer's, I think you know it's it's not wrong to suggest that people tend to think of, of very old people, and you know a, cer- a certain age group who have come. To, you know, it's usually over sixty five who who get Alzheimer's and, and beyond. And it's that, seen. That
0: was Baldwin's reaction, wasn't it? He was like, do ridiculous."
2: Yeah, exactly. And then and the whole idea of this is that the, there is this, um, this condition called early onset Alzheimer's. And in this case, Alice, as played by Julianne Moore, is only 50 when, she's, when she starts to develop this disease. You know, she's a quite respected college professor um, whose life has been dominated by words and, and language. And she starts basically to lose her, her grasp on that which to her is like you know, a loss of, of breath almost. You know, it's, it's part of her character. It's part of who she is. It's a massive part of who she is. So when she starts to lose the grasp of words and she starts to you know, get lost on, on her way back from home, it's, it steadily begins to play on her that she's got something wrong with her. And what, what is good is the film doesn't really mess about in getting into that. You know, it, doesn't, it doesn't take too long for her to be diagnosed and for her to tell her family. And what it does is really quite, you know, quite brutally to some extent, hit home the consequences of this. You know, one, one of the one of the big one of the, the scenes that really struck me was was a, around halfway in, where she and her husband, who's played by Alec Baldwin, go to this um, cot this this holiday place, and she she goes to the toilet and she can't find the toilet, and in her own house basically you know how she's she's known for years and she's been in for years and she can't she has no idea where the toilet is and she wets herself and she just he finds her just completely confused and she just breaks down into tears as he carries her up and you can see obviously she's wet herself and it's 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 moments like that that are really really quite powerful actually and really quite desperately sad and the other the other side of it that that's that's really hard to see is that it's it's a genetic condition. So she but has to, it's the most thing. yeah, she has to break it to her daughters. She's got two daughters, played by Kate Bosworth and uh, Christian Stewart, and she, and a son, yes, and a son who she who she has to um, break it to that you are more than likely going to have this disease as well. They're all they're all in their twenties, thirties, so they're young you can find out, you can decide to find out or not, and Kate Boswell's character, who's the far more sort of she's a bit older, she's very much a, she's got her husband she wants to have a baby, she's quite you know, traditional in her ways she finds out, the son what, what does the son do, Dan? Uh, he, he does, basically, um,
0: Anna and Charlie do, um, and Kristen Stewart's character, Lydia, decides not
2: to, she, want to know. she decides not to, yeah and it's, um It's that whole thing of, you know, you do end up thinking of someone who's 33 this year. And if I was told by my mother that I may well get Alzheimer's, you know, and I may well get it, I may well have it already. I don't know if I, I don't know what I'd do. I don't know if I'd want to know if I wouldn't want to know. So it's quite, it's quite sobering for someone of of my age, let alone somebody who's in their 50s to be watching this film and to think about that. And that's one of the big things it does. The uh, Richard Glatzer in Wash Westmoreland uh, Who wrote and direct this film? They really do. It's based on a, a, a best-selling novel by Lisa Genova. They really don't shy away from getting into those, into those discussions. And I think that even though I felt that it was, it was a little bit too. It, it didn't feel like it had much atmosphere to the piece. You know, it was, it was very character-led in terms of and, and performance-led. It didn't have much in the way of visuals. You know, they kind of sit back and let the characters drive it. Which for me was a little bit of a, a of a shame because I think they could have really got more into into visually kind of showing her breakdown. Really, I think they could have done more yeah. with that. There
0: was there was moments obviously early on where she's
2: running through New York. Yeah, you know, that,
0: that was quite startling the way they did that. But that was, they kind of a very isolated.
2: Yeah, moment. that was yeah. rare. That was rare. That was a good moment where basically her field of vision is is messed up, isn't it? And and she yeah. she can't quite see. And there were moments like that they could have done more with. I think but it, it it does build to quite a heartbreaking final scene actually a really quite heartbreaking final scene that really you know it, it it's it's quite a brave film i think because it doesn't it doesn't show, shy away from things it doesn't have an ending that says everything's going to be fine it doesn't it doesn't lie to you really it's quite honest it's very honest and it's got some really great performances. I mean, Alec Baldwin, for a start, plays against type because normally he's these days he tends to play quite you know boorish characters, and he's he's far more restrained in this, and he he gives a good performance. But the one the one that really stuck out for me was Kristen Stewart. This this is the best I've seen her ever in a film. She was fabulous. She she plays the 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 daughter who's uh, as opposed to Kate Bosworth, she's much more alternative and. Um, you know, and and she's an actress in LA, she's, you know, she doesn't want to be pinned down, she doesn't want to go to college, because at one point, Alice kind of, almost emotionally blackmails her into trying to go to college to secure her f- a future, and that's so real, you know, that's such a real thing that a mother would do, you know, I mean, I did drama degree, and you know, I've always had, I always had aspirations to work in the arts, creativity, and my mum would always say, why don't you just bloody well get a job in a, <laughs> you know, in a bank, <laughs> Yeah. You know, and it's it's a real, it's a very realistic parental thing, I think. And Christian Stewart is she is really, really natural and really good. And you forget, in fact, that this is the same girl who's been in rubbish like Twilight, you know. And she's she's really matured as an actress by the by the look uh, of it.
0: You know, I don't know, just, uh, something about her performance made me uncomfortable. It was you know, at times it when it, you know it's such an emotional film, and there were, you know, there are emotional moments that. She just again lacked that kind of emotion. the, you know, some, the, the bits where she was skyping were, 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 were all right, but I, I I didn't kind of have the same reaction as you did about the final scene. I I, I was left feeling a little bit empty after having such emotional moments, like her uh, basically finding the video of herself telling herself to commit suicide, and um, you know moments like that. The moment
2: yeah. The moment where, um, you know, Alec Baldwin breaks down. And, crying to
0: Christmas uh, Stewart's character and then coming to this ending piece which you know I, I, I obviously I get the text you were saying and obviously the, uh, you know watching the how actually difficult it was for, for um, Alice to even speak obviously that was quite emotional but I just, I just felt Christian just kind of sat there and just kind of very monotonely you know recited this um Piece of, uh, I don't know
2: what is it a piece of drama is it or is it just a poem? It's a play, uh, Angels in America, which is a, a play by Tony Kushner. It's a Pulitzer Prize winning um play. It's quite powerful. I've not read it, but I know of it. And it's yeah, yeah I, I, I get I can see what you mean. I mean, you know, she she does you know that, that spoilers, but the the whole final scene really is 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 her reciting this, this this play, in order for Alice to even grasp, the, like you say, the concepts behind it, and she can barely even talk. And she, you know, she's, we don't see her die, but it, it's pretty apparent she's going to die fairly soon, really. Yeah. And, and, you know, we don't see that, but it's, it's the whole film, it's not really spoiling anything away because that's the whole point, really. It's not, yeah. it's not the end point of this film that matters. It's the, it's what they show throughout. It's that complete debilitation and the, the the absolute loss of dignity that yeah. this woman goes through that is so that is so like powerfully portrayed you know it's very well written it's very well performed I think the the only thing that notched it down for me was the lack of atmosphere in, in terms of the way it was filmed but in terms of in terms of the performance I mean it, it is it is a beautiful performance by Julianne Moore I mean I've always been a fan of hers I've always yeah, thought she was a good actress. She's she's done some great character work as a character actress in a lot of films that have been quite you know poor as well. Um, but she's been good. It's very rare she gives a bad performance. But in this, she's uh, she's really really good. It's, it's one of those films that really does make you make you think about what it would be like to go through this. And and my God, hope hope it never happens to you yeah. because it is it is just an absolutely devastating thing to go through so it's a, it's a very very good character piece um it, in fact it would make a very good play i think no i agree of, of all the films of all the films out right you know this week i think it's definitely the best in terms of drama and, and it's a shame that it's not gone wide on release because it does deserve to be seen definitely definitely i agree i
1: am not suffering I am struggling. Struggling to be a part of things. To stay connected to who I once was. So live in the moment, I tell myself. It's really all I can do. Live in the moment.
0: Okay, okay. Well, before we kick off with the next review, we're going to briefly chat about the world. Well, massive news I guess you can call it uh, of this week which was the release of the third uh, trailer for
2: Avengers age of Ultron Tony's gonna somewhat take a backseat on this one yes yeah. he's choosing to
0: save himself
2: oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I am I, I I've intentionally not watched it more for me because I want to I want to experience the film as cold as possible but now you two are probably gonna tell me Every well yeah and make me <laughs> make me immediately <laughs> go and watch like, it <laughs> yeah, I, I sh- well, I probably will after this, <laughs> so go right ahead. <laughs> so, Emma,
1: what did you think? Oh my god, it was. It, I'm so stupidly excited about this film, and this just. There was enough new footage in you know? it. Yes. Yeah. Like, considering it's like it's 46 days now, for it's released. I was about to ask. <laughs> <laughs> you know I was going to say that. Yeah. There was enough new footage in you know, it to, like, you know, it wasn't just a rehash of stuff we'd seen before, like, you got a better look at the twins, yeah. which I was happy about. And you can kind of piece together the story a little bit better, I feel now. I mean, I was talking to someone the other day and he said he kind of couldn't understand what's going on. It was good to see them working together as the Avengers, that shot in the forest and they're all like, it's very similar to the shot in the first film when they're in New York City and the camera so, spins around them and yeah. it's like, oh my God, I love that bit. That's like my favourite bit. So that was very, you got that bit and then you saw the emotional connection between Hulk and Black Widow. Yeah. And then, of course, the money shot at the end when you finally see Vision. Ooh. Oh my god. it still it still feels like there's more uh, that's kind of kind of how
0: I felt. I almost feel like you know you look at the free traders now, and yes, they're, they're slowly giving us more footage and more footage, but actually there's so much yet that they haven't told us about this film. You know, you've also got Ulysses Claw, who we've just seen a clip of, you know, not just gonna kind of yeah. pop up, you know, I'm assuming, and again, we've seen a clip of vision. And so you've got you know those elements, and you know, there's more to it as well. You know, we basically we were kind of Spoiled by the fact, particularly in the first two trailers, it very much concentrated on the Hulk versus the Hulk Buster um, oh, Iron yeah. suit, which surely is just going to be the first twenty minutes. That's going to be over and done with in you know in twenty uh, minutes. And this is a two hour, two and a half well, hour, three hour film, so we've got a lot more, I think.
1: To someone to see. said <laughs> when you look back at the, I think it's the second trailer. When the Hulk is fighting the Hulk the Hulk's eyes are red, and we saw Scarlet Witch's. The, oh, Scarlet Witch. I call yeah. that every time. We saw Black Widow's eyes go red when Scarlet Witch was like messing with her mind. So yeah. I'm assuming that the Hulk is under the influence of Scarlet Witch, which I would assume would become towards yes. like the, the latter half of the film. But if Maybe. that fight goes on for like 45 minutes, I'm not going to complain. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'll be perfectly happy just with watching just the, the Hulk, whole of the Hulk. The city. Just the I will literally just stand up in the screen and cheer like it was a WWE match, honestly. The
2: I have a question. Do we think that, and there have been rumours about this, but do we think that the end of the film is going to see the Hulk shot into space?
1: No. 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 Um,
2: it, it has been rumoured a lot, hasn't it? Mm. You know, yeah, but how do you, you know, the people were talking about?
0: How, how do you link that Guardians of the Galaxy? How do you bring them
1: to the same universe? Planet Hulk when he gets shot into space, it's like it's Iron Man, uh, Doctor Strange, Black Bolt, and Reed Richards. So yeah. I don't think like it was kind of like a group thing, and that's why in like Werewolf Hulk, he comes back and he's like, "Right, you for a fuck now, piss me <laughs> off, yeah. not for how the lot he is." So, so I don't know. I don't think I don't think it really um, makes sense. I think it'll him. He and Black Widow go up together, and she's like, "I can keep him calm, and they're in a in the woods or something like that." It <laughs> so
0: does seem like Black Widow kind of there's that clip with the hands meet of Hulk and the tiny tiny hands of Scarlett handsome
1: <laughs> Can die though?
0: Yeah, they keep saying someone's going to die, and obviously they've they, they've shown the, the you know the broken shield. And,
1: um... Yeah, but it's like it's obviously not going to be like who's it going to be? Because um, Hawkeye's going to be in Civil War, Cap's going to be in Civil War, Iron Man's going to be in Civil War. So is it going to be Black Widow? It's I don't think it's going to be Mark Ruffalo. I don't think it's going to be the Hulk because the Hulk's up. He's going to fucking kill the Hulk. I've kind it's, of said. <laughs>
0: I've kind of said outside of the four main characters, the only other character that. I would accept and it not be a complete like cop-out would be Black Widow killing off killing off Jeremy Renner no one cares no <laughs> mm. <laughs> so really cares about what guy if, if he died everyone would be like oh alright that's whatever but I think if they killed off you know um, Black Widow I think that would be a massive um, back probably actually be bigger than if they killed before because I
2: know he's not overly popular in some parts. Well, that's been um, the big one, the Thor. That's That's been the one that people have been suggesting yeah. he's going to buy it. I mean, people are forgetting about Ragnarok. There's no way you're going to get a Thor third film without Thor. You know, that yeah, but that's...
1: that's as whole, like, Asgardian afterlife? Like, what's that? Like, it's not necessarily like... A Cause he die. I mean, they all die all the time in the comics, anyway. But just cause Thor dies, I mean, that Thor's actually dead. Cause he's a god of death. Maybe. Like, but in the yeah. first Thor, so Odin's in the Odin sleep, but and that's not like it's like death, but it's not really death. So it could yeah. be something simple to that. Like if Thor was to die, and then you could have like Loki pretends to be Thor and shit like that. I don't know, but mm. it could possibly be Thor. But I, I think it's gonna be Black Widow, and then maybe Hulk could just go fucking nuts and like rip Ultron in half.
0: I kind of have said before that I think Black Widow's the most likely. Um Scarlett Johansson's career is going from strength to strength. Marvel don't seem to want to commit to giving her a solo movie. They also seem to be exploring her backstory in this film, as hinted by with the ballet scenes and stuff like that.
2: But isn't so, she in Civil War?
0: It's not been confirmed, I think, that she's in it.
1: They've just said Black Panther Spider Man might be in Hawkeye. So they not really
0: Iron Man, obviously. Um, yeah,
1: so they don't really need it. And then they've got the Captain Marvel film coming out in, like, 2019. So yeah. she's obviously, like, this first... She's going to be the first solo female movie, yeah. which I'm really happy about. They're not going to shoehorn a Black Widow film in before that, are they? So. No.
0: No, and, um, and, and, and arguably, it, as I said, it's, it's the only other death outside the main fall that I think would affect, and the internet would break down and go wild and possibly break the internet. Mm. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> that will wrap up that I think I think we're all done I don't think there's anything else to say if there is then contact us on Twitter at Black Hole Cinema let us know if we've missed anything and not talked about anything in terms of the Avengers trailer um, obviously the film hits in, in how many days Emma?
1: 46
0: 46 days I can 23rd of
1: April
2: can I just say as well we're going to have a very special Marvel centric podcast for that which will conclude in our Mega Avengers review yeah, <laughs> yeah, for that we're gonna have the most guests as well. I'm thinking five or six guests to, to round out an Avengers mega special. So yes, so keep you know you, you two obviously will be involved, but you know just keep that guys that is coming. Yeah.
1: Don't expect me to make any coherent sense during an Avengers two review because I'll probably just be weeping the entire time. <laughs> Some sort of nerdy
2: breakdown. I words <laughs> <laughs> to translate. Would not expect anything less. Should we do the review in Spanish, Emma? <laughs> you
1: know enough Spanish to do the review, and the only Spanish I know is of Dora the Explorer.
2: <laughs> I can what? do like pigeon Spanish, uh, that, you know, that kind of fake Spanish. I'll just do that. Oh, I've got more. I've got more to come. You wait. So, Wreck 4 Apocalypse is. It
1: doesn't
2: carry on from Rec 3, which was
1: a, kind of a standalone b- link together. It's basically about... um, Correct me if you think I'm wrong, Tony. It's basically about a virus that mimics demonic possession that is spread like a zombie plague would be spread.
2: Pretty much spot on, yeah.
1: Yeah. So there's a return of the character from the first two films, Angela, who was a news reporter. And she... At the end of Wreck 2, you see this kind of... The first girl who was infected, who's been held in this flat by a priest... She's all like, she's all skinny and horrible, and she kind of, I'm trying to think of a nice way to say this, vomits a parasite into Angela's mouth, <laughs> and then Angela, she kind of like, yeah, it makes the priest to get out. So she's on this oil rig now after being saved, and then there's a, a group of doctors there who were, of course, fucking experimenting with the virus on monkeys because the, that always fucking ends really well. <laughs> like ship in the middle of the bastard ocean. <laughs>
2: It's true, it's true. Why did they think that was a good idea? Because the idiots. Oh, no, we're
1: okay for us. We've got rubber gloves.
2: Mm.
1: (laughs) Obviously. So, and then you've got survivors who rescued Angela, whose names elude me at this present moment. And then a survivor from the wedding of the third film who, I don't know if she was really confused or really drunk or she had like some sort of memory loss issue because she didn't Mm. see what the fuck was going on and she completely forgot about the fact that there was fucking zombies eating people
2: could could be shock that
1: (laughs) yeah maybe Mm. Um, so they're all on this oil rig for quarantine reasons and
2: then plot reasons for (laughs) plot reasons (laughs) ever so
1: they're all on this oil rig because it makes total perfect sense or it's a boat but it says oil rig on the internet that's a boat
2: that's boat. a boat, yeah. It's
1: a boat, or a ship, whatever you want to say. My dad will probably correct me when he hears this, it was a fucking ship. He <laughs> <laughs> gets really pissy. So they're on this ship, and of course, one of the monkeys escapes, because you didn't see that coming. Mm. And shit goes down, and everyone's a fucking zombie, and then the doctor's <laughs> like, hang on a minute, let's watch the footage that we've had on board the entire time of what went down in this in this block of flats. And they watch it and like, holy shit, she's she's a fucking zombie monster now. Let's go get her. And she's not a zombie monster because that would be too easy. Which I was really annoyed about. I thought she was gonna like, do you remember they were like cutting her on the table? Yeah. Like, let's get her. I thought she was gonna go fucking exorcist on them. I thought she was gonna fucking spin around and she was gonna like fuck shit up. And yeah. She just didn't and she doesn't. And I was bitterly disappointed. I was expecting some like River Tam type shit to go down, <laughs> and it didn't. And I was so upset. It's it's enjoyable. It's more enjoyable than your arbitrary film, I would say, especially some of the shitey pro these days. But it's not what I, I was expecting better because I really enjoyed Wreck 1 and 2. I thought they were brilliant, mm. to be, even though I think Rec came out in 2007, and by that mm. point, Paranormal Activity hadn't come out yet, so the found footage thing was still, you mm. know, you could still milk it a bit. Mm. But I really enjoyed it, and there were some genuine scares in it, and I do, and I really like the way it's not just a zombie thing and it's not just demonic possession, it's kind of a mix of all three and it mixes Mm. like science and religion, but it doesn't ram it down your throat. I really enjoyed that. Mm. This I just was it was a little bit disappointing. I kept expecting a bigger payoff than what I got. It's a little bit by the numbers. I mean, when the captain was like this is my last voyage, I went, You're gonna die. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. it You are fucked. You have just fucked yourself. You've looked up a God and said, come on, I dare you. Mm. Like, this is what he's done. He sent you a zombie plague. Um, it's a little bit... Like, with the monkey thing, it reminds me of, like, you know, 28 Days later, when the, the rage, the, monkey, the rage know, mm. Like, I don't know. I was expecting something more, but that's not to say that it wasn't enjoyable, because it really was. I'm glad they got the whole found footage thing, So like, they still kind of used it a little bit with the cameras and stuff, and you've got the mm. whole... Sneaky, sneaky government organization, and the, you know. But I really, when you find out that it's not here anymore, I was really disappointed mm. because I'd been waiting to see what was going to happen from Wreck Two. Yeah, like Genesis is a completely different film, and I didn't get that payoff at all.
2: Well, I, I think you hit the nail on the head when you said, "Oh, it's a little bit like Twenty Eight Days Later, and it's a little bit like it." That's the whole point with this. It's it's nothing new. the the whole thing The whole thing with Wreck. I completely agree with you about Rec One. Rec One was brilliant. Rec One was terrifying. One of the best found footage films, horror films that's out there, bar none. It was fantastic. Rec Two didn't do quite the same for me, but it was it was very good. And and Genesis, I didn't like much because it just completely goes on for a different thing. It's but it's a different kind of film. So you know, but but Rec Two, the end of Rec Two, like you said, very much promised something that this film does not deliver at all. You know, with um, Angela Vidal, I think I'm trying to say it in Spanish. She's, she, <laughs> Angela, they call her, Angela. She's, you know, it, it, she. it is set up at the end of rep 2 that she is going to be effectively evil in this film. You know, she's infected by the parasite, which is it's quite a cool idea, you know, a demonic parasite that's causing all this shit to go down. But then the, this film completely, completely chickens out of that straight away you know and it, it just swerves around that they go oh hang on a minute it's going to be quite difficult to have her as our main character uh, if she's possessed all the way through let's just pretend that kind of doesn't happen and let's just you know and it, it it's it's a it's a cop out really and unfortunately the whole film around that is is very much stocked with you know things we've seen before all the dynamics on that ship like you said we know how it's going to work the captain who's who's just buggered himself up because he said that you know you've got the you've got the doctor who i think the doctor on the ship is the is the guy that whose voice you hear on the 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 tape that she finds in the weird yeah. apartment and I think you know they they do tie things together i mean the the great thing about wreck is it had this really cool mythology behind it, which I really wanted to know more about and unfo- unfortunately it's one of those things where they have told us what it is and it's not nearly as fun or cool as not knowing what it was. And the, the whole the whole thing about you know that it does tie up to the first one and you know you've got the you've got the Doctor who is you know he's he's quite he's stern he he'll do what, he'll kill people if he needs to but he's trying to save the world you know but he's really sort of tall and scary and 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 you know nasty and then you've got the uh, all the goons that you've got you've got the the honky the guy who is uh, Guzman I think his name is who's the one who rescues her and then he he actually becomes the main character for a lot of it even though he's you know. And then there's this massive sudden twist with him, and you go, "What? Where did that come from? I didn't yeah. see that." At that no, it wasn't a good twist. And then you've got the the, the nerdy, you know, guy uh, uh, controlling the cameras. Who, oh, maybe he's the hero, and he suddenly has this heroic art that doesn't ring true because he's a perv at the beginning. Yeah, I was he, say, that he totally forget he was pure perv?" At the yeah, beginning? he's just checking. He's, he's like, oh, just. Oh, I'm a yeah, he's perving on that. A yeah. Perving on, it, eating chocolate bars, yeah, and then suddenly at the end he's this heroic. And it it's trying to be, yeah, you know, the, the very last moment of the film, spoilers, but the very last moment of the film is this almost, this gag basically, where they they get off the ship and they get in a cab and the cab driver goes, ah, um, tough night, and they look at each other as if to say, <laughs> no shit. And it, it suggests a level of sort of comic satire that hasn't been in that film at all
1: no comedy in it no that's what I like it doesn't try it's like this is fucking scary shit you should be scared of this shit but I
2: wasn't scared I, 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 I was I was watching it going yep yeah, that's good looks great very well effective very well done you know interesting I've seen it before but we'll, we'll wrap that one up back
0: rec 4 it's out on DVD and Blu-ray uh, in the UK so if you want to um, see that mishmash of zombies and gore and crazy monkeys, then you can go down
2: to um, any good retailer and pick yourself up a copy. Wreck
0: 4 Apocalypse. Before we move on to Kill the Messenger, we're going to take a quick look at the box office UK figures from last weekend. Um, You'll be glad to no, know, Tony, that the theory of that thing is still hanging on at number 10 in nine weeks, um, in the chart probably the last time it's going to be in there, though. Well <laughs> done, Eddie
2: Redmayne! <laughs> so to be fair, that's, that's nowhere near. The stupid is nowhere near. Um, oh,
0: what a so shame. He, he, he ellipsed himself um, there. <laughs> um,
2: unfortunately, a the film that is still there is The Wedding Ringer. Uh, that's into its second week, at nine. Uh, a new release,
0: It Follows, is it number eight.
2: Um, yes, and I still haven't seen that. And uh, you know the lads were, were raving about that last week, and I'm glad that's got in the top ten because that sounds like it's well deserved to be seen. Well, I'm
0: sure you'd rather watch that instead of the number seven, <laughs> which is the boy next door, Ugh. Uh, which you very
2: God like Tony. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> uh, something that
0: certainly isn't shit. Uh, number six is Kingsman: The Secret Service. Yay. Uh, still hanging on five weeks now in the chart. Um, It actually done surprisingly well over in America. Actually, I believe Uh, it's currently the third highest-grossing film
2: of the year. And people Um, are still going on about that bloody bomb joke. You know, (laughs) I I liked Mark Millar's um, response to this because he was asked about it, and he basically just went, "Yeah, well, I've had nothing really to do with the film, so it's just floating above me like like a cloud." (laughs) You know, as if to say, "Just shut the fuck up about this. It's not (laughs) a big deal. It's a bomb joke. Move on." First kids' movie um,
0: in the list. It's Shaun the Sheep. Hey, um, like Aardman, uh, It's in for fourth week, and I imagine it'll probably hang on from right up until Easter. Um, Let's hope so. Maybe even beyond. Uh, just above it, at number four is Big Hero Six. Hey,
2: that's good. Woo! Another new do 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 do. At Number three
0: is Will Smith's Focus.
2: Yeah, and, I, and I'm glad about that because that's a that's a nice little film. That's better better film than I thought it would be. So. Yeah, it's good good to see that's that's done alright. Yeah.
0: I have to admit, I hadn't seen it yet, but it, it I did just think oh, that'd be crap.
2: No, it's, it's, not. It's, 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 Will Smith rubbish. it's not. It's not, it's <laughs> it's it's not brilliant film, but it's his best one for a while. So yeah, it's worth worth look it's worth a look.
0: Thankfully it's been knocked off the top spot. Fifty Shades of Grey, in number two. Um, it's unbelievably taken one hundred and fifty six million pounds um so uh, far worldwide. I'm not surprised at all. And Office worldwide followed slowly behind by the SpongeBob movie, so I imagine that will probably
2: sneak in. Number one <laughs> yeah. in the UK excellent. Uh,
0: so yeah,
2: but fingers crossed. Personally, I think it'll be good that if SpongeBob beats it, because SpongeBob of the two is easily the more realistic. So you know, it'll be good if that gets there. <laughs> um, and in
0: at number one, the guys talked about it last week. Uh,
2: is the second best exotic Marigold Hotel. The second ber- very best. Set what, uh, Mar- Marigold. Uh, I, yeah. Because well, I, I was getting increasingly drunk, I couldn't say it properly. <laughs> <laughs> I, ju- I just go, hotel one? The hotel. The hotel one. <laughs> Which, again, uh, you know, it, it's it's a, it's a nice little film. You know, it, it'd be, it's easy to slag those films off, but yeah, it, it's nice. It's a nice yeah, little film. So it's nice to see the old people are getting out and getting to the cinema to watch that. The, the
0: general consensus. No. Yeah. It's still
2: a laugh, yeah, it's nice. And better than Fifty Shades of Grey. Oh God, yeah. So it's 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 a much nicer, you a know, much nicer, perhaps even more romantic film than that. So no, no, it's good, good choice. Yep. Yeah,
0: so that is the box office top ten from last weekend. So up next is Kill the Messenger. Gary Webb, San Jose Mercury News.
3: You believe in conspiracy theories,
1: Gary?
0: No. I don't believe in conspiracy theories.
1: Conspiracies, yes. If I believe it, there's nothing theory about it. Was the
0: government aware that you were smuggling tons of cocaine into the United States? Yes. The government knew. This leads to very sensitive national security matters.
3: National security and crack cocaine, the same sentence. Does that not sound strange to you? I'm going to tell you the whole truth. I'm going to introduce you to people you should talk to.
1: And then you will be faced with the most important decision of your life. Oh, yeah? What's that?
3: Deciding whether to
2: share it or not. Yes, and I'll be fairly brief about this, because I don't have a massive amount to say. It's basically a... It's a film that, for a start, just to say, titanically bombed in America. It was released around October last year. It's taken a long time to get into the cinema here. And it just completely fl- flopped massively it's it, the reason probably is a various different few factors for a start it's got Jeremy Renner who for some reason people seem to think is he's, he's a he's a leading actor and i I don't really think he is when I look at him I just think he's like an American Daniel Craig lookalike who's wandered onto a set and somebody's given him a lead role it's basically uh, you know I don't quite get that and I think people are starting to realize he's not really much of a muchness yeah, um, you know, yeah.
0: Obviously, Avengers films prove that, and um, I really liked him Protocol and so Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. yeah he's, about, so. he's not. And he's not a bad actor. He's he's just not. He's just there's something missing there. The other reason is that it's a, it's a very very strange film. This because it's it's not. You can't put this in a box. It's basically a. Not, I'm not quite a biopic, but it's a, it's a telling of of a guy called Gary Webb who was who was a journalist in the mid '90s who pretty much stumbled into this this quite huge cover-up that the US government had perpetrated, which was effectively to do with, uh, it's going back to the 80s really, there's there's more of a complicated history about it, but in, in essence, the idea is that this guy, and this is a true story, this guy uncovered that the US government, the CIA, in trying to trying to stop Nicaragua falling to communism with the Contras and there was this whole thing in the 80s about the Iran Contra deal that Reagan did. They basically allowed the Contras to pretty much create the modern American drug trade. And the CIA knew that this was happening. They were complicit in the in the in the the modern drug trade existing in America and they they basically ended up, you know, covering this up. And he stumbles into this and it ultimately becomes that he's he's got this family set up and he starts to suffer a misinformation and smear campaign by the CIA who are basically saying to him, this is a problem of national security. And, you know, if you if you let if you if this gets out, then a lot of shit's going to fly. Now, to, to, for that setup, you'd expect more of a thriller. You'd expect something that's quite tense. You'd expect something that's quite meaningful and dramatic. And it, don't get me wrong; it's touching on a lot of different things. You know, it's touching about the the, the, the collapse of of the modern American you know ideal. You know, the whole the whole shadow of Nixon. Nixon's the first thing thing you see actually. Richard Nixon. When it, it, the the credits is all stock footage from the past news footage building up to the point where this happens and the first image you see is nixon and that's that's quite telling because nixon was the beginning of the collapse of the american ideal really with everything that happened with him and then it builds up to that point that the whole idea being you can't trust your own government to be acting in your best interests and ultimately the the film is not at all Cinematic in terms of actually paying off what the setup would suggest. You know, Renner's Renner's character it, it, it has this like this family setup, and he was in he, he he sort of had an infidelity years ago, and he was trying to rebuild his family unit, and then all this starts to affect them, and you've got that side of it, and you've got a son who is starting to see through his father, and then a wife who's struggling with everything you've got his editor weirdly played by mary elizabeth winstead who you know doesn't he's far too young this is no not me being sexist but she's far too young to be playing a, a high-flying editor in a major newspaper and she's she's very miscast i'm don't, i don't particularly think she's a good actress anyway but she she's very miscast in this she doesn't seem comfortable and then you know it's got a, it's got a fairly decent supporting cast you know it's got people like oliver platt it's got Michael Sheen, you know. It's it's got these people who crop up, um, uh, Andy Garcia. They crop up in these very small roles that don't really go anywhere. And Renner's character ultimately gets to a point where he's. You're supposed to feel his his isolation. You're supposed to feel that he's he's struggling. You're supposed to feel that he's being pressured in order to, to keep these secrets, and you don't, and it's it's very plat, very staid. The director's a guy called Michael Cuesta, who is best known for television. He's not done many films, not, nothing major. He's directed quite a lot of episodes of Homeland, and there's a very television style to this. It doesn't feel like a movie at times. Ultimately, it felt like one of those films that's got a lot of important things to say. Crucially, this whole thing was effectively forgotten, because it, it, it all came out around the same time as Clinton and Monica Lewinsky. Which, if people don't know, that was when Bill Clinton in the mid-90s was, was um, found to have been getting a blowjob from his secretary. And that was that was a massive scandal back then. That, ble- that almost sums up the 90s, really. Because after the first Gulf War, the 90s almost feels like the calm between two storms. You'd got the end of the Cold War at the very beginning of the 90s and the, the first Iraq War, which was, you know, fairly small scale. And then you had... happened at the beginning of the zeros of the 21st century. And there was that 10 year period where the biggest scandal was Clinton getting sucked off, you know, and it, it, (laughs) do you know what I mean? It felt like a little bit of a gap between the old Soviet communist power and the the modern terrorism. And it's quite, it's almost like a quite a quaint decade, but you don't feel that in the atmosphere of it. You know, there's the suggestion of that, but it doesn't really fully come across And, you know, it is is an important film in a sense because it's, it's shining a light on something that was buried and that has been buried. And, you know, if it really was fully to be proven and it was never fully proven, you know, a few people lost their jobs. The head of the CIA ended up quitting. It was, you know, it would be a massive, massive thing. Crucially, spoilers, crucially, Gary Webb killed himself about seven years after all this happened. Because he loses his job, ultimately, through all this. Because he stands up for his principles. And he ends up killing himself. I don't think there's any suggestion that he was murdered. But you never know, dear. at the end of the day. So there's there's this, there's this pallor over it. But a bit like American Sniper, you don't see that happen. That That's just told afterwards. But yeah, you, you I just got the feeling it, was, it should have been a lot better than it was. And I, I appreciate what it was saying. It's an important film in terms of what it's trying to say. It just wasn't said particularly well. What would you say? It's over. I'm not finished with it. I'm not
0: finished. This is a true story. Some stories are just too true to tell. you
1: uh, be for the revolution? Moving on, it's the moment we've all been waiting for. Uh,
0: <laughs> Tony Black reviewing um, comedy in inverted commas. Uh, Unfinished business. I just landed a huge deal for you, and then you tell me I'm going to take 5% less this year? You are replaceable. You say that kind of stuff a lot, and that's why Brian Peters wrote you're a jackass on your parking curb.
3: What the hell, Dan? That was one year ago. The next day, I started my own company.
0: I only have two employees. One's too old, and one's too young.
3: I've never been on a business trip before. I'm pretty jacked. Can you
0: not say your whole
3: name today? Because the client can lose focus. Ugh, I'm like Pancake. What was your last name? Pancake? Like breakfast. It's Greek. It's delicious. Yum. The good news is that we nailed a big
2: deal and we're traveling to Germany to shake on it. <sighs> <sighs> <laughs> I love
3: it when you sigh like
0: that.
2: <laughs> well, you know, we started the year with Taken 3. And that was bad. Then we then we saw into the war into the woods! That was quite bad. And then we had Mordecai, 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 Johnny Depp, oh. and that was bad. And then we had the boy next door with uh, J-Lo and her classics. I'm a classics teacher, I study classics. No you don't, JLo. Just So and that was bad. And... <laughs> The Jupiter Ascending was bad but it was good bad you know it was, it was bad it's but it was funny oh and it had Eddie Redmayne's brilliance all the way you know so no I you no this basically made me wish for the heat death of the universe <laughs> um, I don't know how else to put it really it's it's it, it it there was there was I said in, in the review of Mordecai what, the, I I knew it was going to be bad at the very beginning as soon as Johnny Depp spoke right and all through that film it just it was just it was just a bad film you know it was badly made it was badly badly written it was but it but it at least had Johnny Depp and it at least had Paul Bettany who knew how bad it was and was trying anyway and it was a bit colourful and a bit all over the place you know and it it, it was bad but it was it was stomachling you could stomach that. And you know, Taken Three at least had Liam Neeson walking around. Well, yeah, walking because he couldn't run because they had to edit it to make it look like he was running. He's walking round, doing that all the time. That was, you know, entertaining itself. But then you watch this, and immediately it's about as funny as getting, well, quite honestly, Alzheimer's, which isn't funny at all. It, it, it was, it was, it was just one of those things where you sat there all the way through, just. Getting increasingly annoyed at the fact you weren't laughing. Vince funny, surely. Uh, <laughs> Vince, Vince, Vaughn. This is easily the worst thing that Vince Vaughn has ever done. I, I think. I mean, it, it is. It it, it, it. Basically, it's, it's this, it's this idea that he's a businessman. And he gets he gets into this row with Sienna Miller. And Sienna Miller, bless her, she keeps cropping up in things lately. And she's been in two good films this year. And she's a developing actress. And then she's in this. And she must be thinking, oh, fucking hell, what, why did this have to come out now? You know. And she's basically this bitch of a boss who he ends up... Going, hey, I'm I'm going to prove to you that I can be a good businessman, and he goes off, and then he gets into the car park, and he meets Tom Wilkinson, and my what, Tom Wilkinson! Oh my God! The last thing Tom Wilkinson was in was was Selma, playing Lyndon B Johnson, and being brilliant as the one of the great one of the American presidents. Being, a, and he's one of our finest British gentleman character actors, and in this he plays a man who, in the first twenty minutes, orders a sex maid. Right? <laughs> I am not joking. Right? And in the end, the sex maid turns out to be a, 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 a Portuguese genuine maid who turns out to be a fat woman who he just keeps checking out her ass. That's perhaps the one thing that made me smile in this. And the real maid goes next door to Vince Vaughan. The real sex maid. And so he's in this, and I'm thinking, you know, you must, you know, I'm presuming his house is costing more than he thought. Because there's no other reason to do this except money. And then you've, so you've got him, and then you've got Dave Franco, who you hire when, you know, you can't get James and Seth Rogen's busy and, you know, you can't get um, Jay Baruchel and you can't get Jonah Hill and all those guys. And Dave Franco's character, the, the the whole idea of him is defined by one joke. And that's his surname. Do you know what his surname is? Do you know what it is?
1: Um, don't tell me.
2: Okay. Well, let me cue this up because he speaks like this. He's all, all the way through really quiet because he's nervous, and he, he just t- talks kind of like this all, all the time, and and his name is Mike Pancake. Yeah, that gap there, that gap there where you didn't laugh, imagine that for 90 minutes, that is what it was, Mike, yeah, that that's Mike Pancake. And all the way through, they go to the lengths of saying, you, "You can't don't say don't say your actual name in these meetings. Don't say Mike Pancake. Don't say... And, and, and shocker, he says, Mike Pancake. And then they go, Your name's Pancake. Ha, that's funny. Like the breakfast. Ha-ha-ha-ha-ha. And it's... <sighs> I went to school with a girl whose name, last name was Ho. And she didn't get, like, ripped that much in the playground. Right. <laughs> like- <laughs> exactly. Now, you know... Oh yeah yeah. Pancake. So like would say is a joke. Yeah,
1: exactly
2: right. Like a kid's character on a TV show. right his name's Mike Pancake. Pancake. right? And Freddie would laugh at it once and not again. <laughs> Exactly, right? <laughs> your 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 son would would it has believe me, has a far more sophisticated level of intelligence at his age to not laugh at anything in unfinished business. Believe me. But then, basically, you know, they they all team up. They're this ineffectual group, and then they realise they have to go to Berlin for no real reason at all, except they need to go to somewhere in Europe, because it's, oh, Europe's funny. Europe's not America. Europe has things like a German GPS that only says one word, which is Flügelhaven. Flügelhaven. And then you've got Vince Vaughn going, what, what does that mean? I don't know what that means. Flügelhaven. And it's just, oh, fuck off. You know, it's just... yeah, it's, so you've got that, then they go to Berlin, and inevitably, you know, they stay in hostels where it's all, f- 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 you know, young people. And Tom, Wil- Tom Wilkinson perhaps saw in this script, apart from the money, the idea of uh, he's, he's a guy who basically just wants to make love once to a woman properly. And that he, he'd been married for years, but he's, he never made love to her. He just had sex with her and he didn't love her. And he wants to make love to somebody. And, you know, maybe he thought that was going to be quite touching. <laughs> What am I saying, he, they, they said, do you want two million Tom, he's like, yeah, yeah of course he did, what am I talking about, so, you know, so you've got that, they, they go to Berlin, and then, uh, just to describe what happens next, is, is pointless, because it's nothing, they just wander around, Vince Vaughn ends up staying in a hotel, which is a, a modern art exhibit, so people are just peering in at him, right, while he's doing his, talk, you know, on a laptop, then Nick Frost turns up, and bloody hell, right, Nick Frost, he's great. Okay, we love him in Spaced. He's done all these films with Nick, with Simon Pegg. Nick Frost is brilliant, right? In this, he plays a guy who is gay, and they end up in a gay club because, <laughs> funny, right? And they end up in this. Vince Boyle ends up in this toilet with um, German guys putting their dicks through glory holes, right? And they talk to him through the wall, but they only talk. You can only see the dick. And then Nick Frost turns out to be one of the dicks and it's a massive knob through this and I thought is this what Nick Frost has come to now mm. that he's going to do a film where he puts what I presume isn't he's, he's a dick <laughs> right <Yeah. laughs> through a glory hole <laughs> yeah no, the, uh, that, that was the one thing that stu- um, stood out for me the other one so it's actually written by Steve Conrad who did The of Happiness which I read the Yeah. Way. The Secret Life of Walter Mitty which actually isn't as bad as um, the Weatherman, which is one of the only films I like, can bear in this um, and he makes shit like this, and the promotion back in 2008, which was equally awful. Yeah. It just seems like he has just. It's, it's as if
0: literally people just go to people I've like been and just go, here is a shitload of money. Just
2: make anything. But yeah. Yeah, it, it, yeah, it will make money. It will make money, but I knew this was gonna. I knew this was gonna be bad. What I didn't expect was how bad this was gonna be. I didn't expect this to be, literally ninety minutes of sitting there, just starting to sweat at how unfunny this was. Just sitting there thinking, I can't do this anymore. You know, I was just. And the, the big thing is to to point out, This is not so bad that you need to see it bad. It's not one of those. You know, I mean, Mordecai was a similar thing. It's not one of those films that's so bad that you need to go and watch it because, oh my God, it's going to be really entertaining bad. It's not. It's just so generic. Last year, the one that the one that I felt like this with was The Other Woman. And The Other Woman has only just been unseated as the worst film of 2014 by I, Frankenstein, which I watched yesterday. Which basically makes me think that there is no point to live anymore watching that film. <laughs> Might as well end it all. yeah this this is gonna be possibly the the worst film of this year and it it will it will take some beating really the only reason it didn't get half a star on my Letterboxd review is because I save half a star for the hateful shit I save that for the i save that for the project project xs and the run for your wife's and the you know human centipede twos i save, i save it for that i save it for the stuff that just just should be you know pelted into the sun and burned. This, however, is close. It's not it's not hateful, it's not offensively bad, it's just so shit, I I can't put it into words. It's
0: kind of what I feel about practically every film
2: that ever made. But yeah, but this this is a this is a different level though, Dan. This this is like
0: he's
2: gonna be a true detective, this shit. Oh, is he? Well he he's gonna need that to redeem some some points. This, 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 there is no doubt in my mind this will be in my in my bottom five of the year, and I, it's only March, and I know, I know, because the other woman came out at March, I think it was March or April last year, and that's still down there, that's second bottom, that's taken a year to unseat. This, it can't get much worse than this. If it does, I'm just gonna give up, and I don't just mean in films. I mean in general. I'm not, so, I'm, I'm not, I'm not gonna leave the house. I'm not gonna bother going to work. I'm just gonna go. What's the point? In this life! Anymore! And that and that's it. That's all I have to say. Well, that's it. That's yeah. what we've got time for. We won't be um, coming to you next week as it's Mothering Sunday. Yes. Okay, uh, so we'll be taking the week off but we'll be back. Uh, the week of Monday
0: the 23rd uh, we'll be reviewing Insurgent, The Gunman, Run All Night, The Tale of all- says Caruja, is that right? I think so we'll, we'll go with that um, and um, sweet franchise uh, will at least be reviewing some
2: of those if not all of them or uh, also possibly wildcard because I think that might be out as well the new Jason Statham one as well yes, so is, yeah. maybe that as well possibly mm. uh, so uh, thank you for listening yeah from us thank you for joining us earlier in the show but but do do rest uh, and get well um and obviously thanks from from tony thanks for joining us again tony putting us on your own show thank you <laughs> it's my pleasure thank you thank you both i you know as ever a great host dan and it's always brilliant having you on emma because you know you just just swear like a trooper it's wonderful <laughs> so uh, yeah thanks a lot guys it's been fun um,
0: obviously telling
1: you what's going on on the podcast so until we see you in a couple of weeks time keep watching
0: films Instacart shoppers know groceries they know that you can't make guacamole with rock hard avocados they know how to quickly find those peanut butter pretzels you can never find and they keep you in the know by giving you updates about your order along the way